right, joining me now, our good friend, Mr. Al Bat from somewhere over in Heartland, Minnesota. Good morning, Al. How are things over there? They're um, they're really good. There's um, there's a spot in our driveway. Whenever we get a little snow, there's a little bit that sticks in one spot. Like there's some sort of uh, cold. Uh, maybe there's a huge cavern under there or something. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But it's funny. It melts everywhere else, or the rain gets it. But that one little spot kind of hangs on, saying, "You know, I'm not ready to let you go yet." It's just it's odd. I notice that when I walked down with the mail many, many times. I watched a uh, white-breasted nuthatch take some peanuts from a feeder this morning. I thought it, it's a uh, white-breasted peanut hatch. Uh, <laughs> I see if I can get that name changed. Yeah. And I had uh, bluebirds in the yard, and one of them landed near the feeder, and he looked kind of, I don't know, grumpy. He was like the bluebird of crankiness. Or maybe it was a bluebird of Minneapolis that had flown down all this way and was just tired, but it was really great to see them. And I'm watching uh, the squirrels gathering leaves at the tops of trees, like nest contractors up there, and it's pretty cool to see them. They're just, I, they're feuding a little bit. There's a lot of tail wagging and chattering because I suppose they're stealing Stealing leaves from one another is what I'm guessing going on, or uh, one of them has the best leaves, and you know how that goes. I do want to thank, before I forget, I want to thank everybody at the Minnesota Association of Townships that uh, met over the weekend for allowing me to speak to them, and also to the good folks at KHNS in beautiful Haines, Alaska, for allowing me to yap at them. So it was... uh, <clears throat> wonderful groups speaking of Haynes I have been a member of the American Bald Eagle Foundation in Haynes Alaska for a goodly number of years and every year we hold a festival where people come from all over the world to see uh, eagles and other wildlife Smithsonian Magazine did an article recently titled Behold the largest congregation of bald eagles in the United States, and the subtitle was Every November, hundreds, if not thousands, of the birds of prey gather in Haines, Alaska to feast on salmon. Well, as you might figure, the festival was canceled this year because of uh, COVID-19 and because the Canadian border is closed. A friend, Cheryl Roberts of Haines, drove the route along the Chilkat River where the birds typically congregate. She drove up to 30, she drove 33 miles and then back, and she counted 25 bald eagles. Uh, Another friend, Dave Olerud, also of Haines, drove the same road, and he counted 20 eagles. If there was a festival this year, we'd have to put up cardboard cutouts of eagles for people to see. (laughs) There just aren't any there. And why aren't they? It's not the COVID. It's low salmon runs are believed to be the cause for the poor eagle crowd. And combined with the poor berry season, it's caused bears to seek other food sources. Uh, Add that to the local landfill has become more secure, and you have bears raiding things like garages in search of food. So at least 40 brown bears were killed, some to protect property, in Haines during the regulatory year, which runs from July through June. And those numbers are unprecedented, as the previous high was 22. And residents 
have been cautioned to do a better job of securing bear attractants. And uh, I remember here a while back, maybe September or something, when a wild brown bear broke in and killed Caesar. If anybody's ever been to the zoo in Anchorage, uh, Caesar is an alpaca. I believe he was 16 years old, and he was the unofficial mascot of the zoo in Anchorage. People loved Caesar. He had a little bit of a personality, but Bear broke into the zoo and dispatched Caesar, and wildlife officials in turn euthanized the bear. Also, the big news at the ABF, well, there's a lot of big news, but uh, at the American Bald Eagle Foundation was a magpie somehow got into the mew of Bella, a bald eagle. And a mew is a, a place where the bird stays and exercises and things. And there was no damage done to either bird, and the two were seen perched on the same roost. Just uh, it's, it's another normal day for both of them, I guess. Uh, Betty Lucas of Mason City said at Clear Lake in Cerro Gordo County, there's a white-winged scoter was on the far west end near the Ventura grade. Trumpeter swans are starting to gather in large groups. She's seeing 50-plus uh, in cornfields. And so she seems, it seems to her like it's been a good year for Carolina Renz, Rita Garanson, and Carolyn Fisher. Continue to see one in their yards occasionally at my feeders. I still have white-throated Harris's and fox sparrows. And strangely... A lingering female scarlet tanager joined the sparrow crew a week ago and continues on. She subsists on sunflower hearts or chips that are scattered on the ground and often hangs out with the sparrows in the brush pile. Catherine Rudd, and I hope it's not rude to say Rudd, it <laughs> said several American... Robins have appeared under my feeders and in my heated bird bath this morning. I hope they are eating the winter berries growing there. Do birds eat them? The brushy area near our pond also has some berries growing. Yeah, they do. Uh, I think of uh, Catherine mainly eastern bluebirds, American robins will certainly eat the fruit on chilly days. Uh, cedar waxwings and woodpeckers would also be other birds that will eat them. So, yeah, and winterberries are a native plant, so it's uh, pretty cool, and I think they're really appreciated by birds when the, the weather has a, a bit of a chill in it. And Adam, I'm going to get your name wrong because that's what I do. <laughs> I, I say Knutson. It's K-N-E-W-T-S-O-N. And he's from Wasika. And Adam, the way I have a problem with that is because I'm from Heartland, where we want to say Knutson for everybody that comes even close to that. Uh, Adam said, I saw two pileated woodpeckers here last Sunday, too. That makes six pileated I've seen in my life. We have two barred owls here as well, and we were lucky enough to see one Saturday morning. One of the birds I cannot identify is what appears to be a northern flicker, except that his entire head is red, not just a splash. His entire head, is this an anomaly within the bird world, or is it a bird I can't find on Merlin? If I get a picture of the bird, I'll send it to you. And I hope Adam does get a picture, because when I think of redheads, I think of red-headed woodpeckers, of course, uh, also pileated, but Adam's seeing pileated. And uh, a red-bellied woodpeckers to a point. So I hope it. Uh, I hope he gets a photo.
uh, Carol Bertelson, speaking of photos, sent me a photo. She lives in Albert Lee. Right out in her front yard, right by her walk, was a white-winged crossbill. So what a cool, uh, what a cool photo there, a white-winged crossbill. I love seeing them, and their bills actually cross. And, uh, Karen, you shared with me a letter he got from John. You know, John sent actually quite a long letter, and um, so I wanted to make sure I shared most of it with you. So you go ahead, and and let's chat about what John was had on his mind. Okay, he's mentioning his dad um, regularly, and long ago his dad did most of the signs in New Ulm freehand, not using any computers like most are done now. And he started to branch out uh, more into art and doing portraits of people, used charcoal, black and white, or pastel by hand. And he started going to the Carlton Celebrity Room in Burnsville or Bloomington, someplace, suburb of Twin Cities area. And the place is no longer around. It was a place to get a good meal, and a different actor or singer would be there every week. Dad would watch their show and meet them before or after and do their portrait. I think the place had a wall with all of the portraits Dad did there. The owner knew Dad and let him do that. Dad also met famous people other places, other states. I think Dan and my sister were in Loretta Lynn's house. She is one of Dad's favorites. Dad was also at the state fair many years doing portraits of people or their cats and dogs. The new winter scene postage stamps are nice, and a joke for me. He (laughs) said, uh, Al might know this one, I think. What do you call a sleeping bull? And, yeah, this is one, it's a bulldozer. So, you know, I get like one, maybe two of these (laughs) right a year. So thanks for... uh, Thanks for throwing me a bone there, John, one that I could actually get. I appreciate that. And it makes me feel, uh, I'm gonna, I just hope I don't get too prideful today because <laughs> of that. Uh, Tim Scott sent me an article from the New York Times that said, don't get between a caterpillar and its milkweed. They have uh, monarch butterflies when their caterpillars will aggressively headbutt each other for access their favorite food oh is that what they do because i always wondered what was going on with with them it was just i thought they had some kind of a tick or something yeah no they uh you know get away from my food and we think we look at the monarchs and we say oh what a peaceful little guy but the butterflies the males can be pretty testy too i've watched them mess with other uh, male monarchs of course and i've also seen them chase after other butterflies of different species so it's a jungle for everything out there, but yeah, they will headbutt each other. I know that most folks, when they think of headbutting, they think of two guys at the pool table that have been overserved or something. <laughs> or I think of my decide. cats. Actually, my cats headbutt me a lot at the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I know Pearl does that here too. So mostly to my wife, she doesn't bother me with that too much. I guess it doesn't work on me. Maybe she's figured <laughs> out. Uh, Lance Breeze found two black scoters in Cascade Lake in Rochester. Uh, Don Grussing said, I just hung a holiday wreath on my shed. It's uh, in a nice protected spot beneath the eaves. By mid-morning the next day, four house benches were flying around it and prowling through it. 
Many will spend end, every winter evening there in a cozy and protected spot. And if they repeat history, next spring a nest will be woven and a family raised as the needles turn yellow and brown and the red ribbon fades. And the neighbors will wonder why I'm too lazy to take it down. Mark, and I'm going to get your name wrong too, Mark. I think it's Tacky, T-A-C-K-E. Uh, Mark's found Baltimore Orioles in Brown and Blue Earth County and an Osprey also in Blue Earth County. So some great. I, I, the one that's in, uh, I think it's in New Ulm. It's definitely in Brown County. has been hanging around there since September. And I remember, oh, a year or two ago, there were Baltimore Orioles that spent, I think, most, if not all, the winter in Lesseur. So you 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 wonder why they do that. Boy, there's a story there somewhere if they could just talk to us. A listener asks, what is a chicken hawk? And, uh, yeah, there's all kinds of uh, Henry the hawk that uh, Foghorn and Leghorn used to mess with, the uh, poor little hawk. He was, uh, he was uh, certainly attempting to be a chicken hawk. He wasn't very good at it because... Foghorn Leghorn was about 20 times his size. The it, First, I'll say it's a misleading moniker. Will hawks eat chickens? <clears throat> yeah, they will. So will we. And, but is that their main thing? Do we have a hawk out there that all it eats is chickens? No. It's, I typically think of three raptors, three hawks that that moniker is applied to the one that i think of first is the cooper's hawk and it is a bird hawk so it's uh, very likely to take chickens it's not the biggest hawk i have seen one take uh, a hen pheasant and uh, pheasant was much heavier than the hawk so they can take bigger prey they're unable to carry it away or anything but they're certainly able to take it and it's oh, Cooper's Hawk. Somebody might know them by other names. They have nicknamed Blue Darter, Hen Hawk, Quail Hawk, Striker, Swift Hawk. I'm probably missing some nicknames there. We also have a smaller version. It's called the Sharp Shin Hawk that would also take maybe baby chicks or something or small, small uh, chickens of one kind. Uh, the Sharp Shin is generally a little bit smaller than the Cooper's hawk. The problem is the Cooper's hawk female, she's the size of a crow. The sharp shin male is the size of a blue jay. But the sharp shin female and the Cooper's hawk male are about the same size. And then they look alike. So it's really hard to tell the difference of those. Even from pictures sometimes it's difficult to tell. But a sharp-shinned hawk is uh, also occasionally called a chicken hawk. It's also called a bird hawk, bullet hawk, a little blue darter or slate-colored hawk, and I'm sure I'm missing some there. And the other one that people will call a chicken hawk would be the red-tailed hawk, our most common hawk around here. And it's the other, it's a bird of prey that would certainly take a hawk or a chicken or a pheasant that kind of thing. They like rodents, so they can uh, 
they can exist on rodents if they can find enough of them. The sharp chin hawk, for those of you who have been up to Hawk Ridge and Duluth, the sharp chin hawk is the second most common bird seen in Hawk Ridge during migration. Uh, the number one is broad-winged, but sharp-shinned is the second most common. A, uh, continuing on the raptor, uh, another listener asked, how many bald eagles spend the winter in Minnesota? I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know that there's been surveys done, but I will say this. The eagle is a regular in winter in southeastern Minnesota and other parts of Minnesota where there's open water. I think of Wabasha, Reed's Landing, and the surrounding riverfront areas holding. They just have lovely viewing spots for wintering bald eagles. And the birds overwinter in the Red Wing, Wabasha areas near the Mississippi River, where the current of the inflowing Chippewa River maintains open water. So it's a good time in the winter to go over and see bald eagles along the Mississippi River. And it's it's just beautiful country over there. So See, Al, I've got a question. I don't know if you can answer this or not. Okay, so how many bird, different bird species have you seen in a year? Is, do you, have you kept records of that, um, you know, individual bird species? I have, and I can't remember how's that. Okay, well, I just, there's a story that just came out. I think it was in yesterday. It was in the, the Chicago Tribune. A 17-year-old kid is expected to break a birding record, and he's, uh, let's see, so I thought it was kind of a cool story. His name is Isu O'Brien. He's 17. He's expected to break the Cook County record for individual bird species spotted in a year. So far, he's seen 282 species by the end of October, and it says with a little more than a month left before 2021, he's still working to check off a few final species in the hopes that his record holds for years to come. Uh, topping that record was a big deal for him and for other birders who banded together to offer tips so he could drive and sometimes sprint to a yet unseen bird. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, anyways, this is pretty cool. He's a 17-year-old kid, obviously has a strong interest, and, and I, I think that's a big number. So, I don't know. Maybe it's not, but is that a pretty good number? It is. Uh, I forget how many we saw here in Freeborn County in one day, what our big day record is, 200 and some. Oh, my goodness. Well, he apparently this is the season, but 282. So I guess that's, uh, you know, for their county was a pretty big deal. But, um, you know, for yeah, one person. Noah, Noah Stryker, I know he saw 6,042 What in one year. Where and in the world we, did he go to see all those? Yeah, yeah. Went a little bit everywhere. Oh, my. He was, oh, gosh, probably in his late 20s, I would guess. So he went all over the, not only the, the country, but he went all over the world. So he saw a lot of birds. And like I say, I believe that record has been broken. Holy uh, smokes. Maybe not by, uh, maybe by more than one person. So it's uh, it's incredible uh, what a person can do, and you know, for folks that have seen the big year, that's kind of taking things to a uh, an extreme, maybe. But it was fun. That was a fun movie to see. But people will get out there and just see everything they possibly can. So I uh, I don't know. You know, you have to give up a life for a while <laughs> to do something like that. I I don't know. Uh, I, and when I said, uh, 
200 and some birds a day. That was our big month, I believe. I don't know. I know Hennepin County had a big day, and they saw 150 species. But uh, oh, there's some other ones. But ours was 200 and some, but that was a big month. So I was that, that was more than one person, too, though, wasn't it? Yeah, there were four sure. of us. In, oh, oh, four of you. Okay. Yeah, and somebody else, uh, everybody else is, uh, oh, they enjoy keeping records so much more than I do. So I just kind of say, you got that, and they got it, and away we go. And they're just happy punching away on a little digital device that adds them all up and tells everybody. But I, I can't even remember what it was, but it was 200 and some, and that was in Freeborn County. So okay. Month. And I don't remember what our big day was. Uh, we had the big day record for Freeborn County. It's probably been broken since, too. But I do know I just talked to somebody from Hennepin County, and they went on a big day, and they get, they saw 150 okay. in one day in Hennepin County. So there are a lot of birds out there, but it's just, uh, oh, you know, it's, it's hard. You can't get everywhere. And you have to look, too, because some birds are, seem like they're harder to spot than others. They might be there, but unless you're really looking... I know sometimes when I'm out gardening, I don't really see them, but I hear them, and I, and I still, even trying to pinpoint them, I, I just can't find them. Yeah, and they do uh, practice ventriloquism. I notice it mainly, and probably because it's my favorite bird, the chickadee is really good at that. You'll hear him call, and you say, well, he's got to be right there, and he's not. He's, he's over there. So they can throw their voice they're just really good at it so it's it's fun birds are amazing creatures and squirrels can throw their voices a little bit too when they're trying to trying to confuse a predator or it certainly makes uh, sense to do that but they're better they're better than with a jeff dunham is that the guy who's uh, the famous uh, ventriloquist down in las vegas uh, and he's good but the birds are better at it uh, our our class was wondering what bird migrates the farthest. We looked it up online and got a bunch of different answers. Yeah, that's you can. Uh, one thing you can be assured of when you look things up online, you're going to get a bunch of different answers, no matter what it is you're asking about. Uh, the, the Arctic tern, I think, is the one that migrates the farthest, and it breeds in the Arctic and subarctic and winters and the Antarctic. And tracking studies have found that the birds make annual journeys of about 44,100 miles. With yeah, just think how many miles you drive your car in a year. 44,100 miles. Hmm. And one bird was flying round trips from England to Antarctica on a journey of 59,650 miles a year. Oh man, if you know driving that much is exhausting. And this tiny tiny little bird that uh, doesn't weigh as much as a oh not even close to what a base was. I I'm guessing here, but I would imagine they weigh 4 ounces or so. They're just really small birds and to fly that way. And for folks that have seen them, they look bigger than they are as many birds do just because of all those feathers. They got a lot of feathers, and it's wonderful to see them uh, when I would go uh, to spots in the in the far north of here to see them. So, 
some of our deciduous trees are keeping their leaves for much or all of the winter. It's called marcescence, or they are marcescent trees, which uh, marcescent means the leaves are uh, oh, wilted but persistent would probably be a good uh, definition of that. And we see it in ironwood, buckthorn, and some oaks. And ironwood is a wonderful small tree uh, that makes great handles for hammers and also uh, great fence posts, uh, hence the name ironwood. And I see quite a few of them around in a lot of our woods around here, and they are more of an understory tree. Some will get the fairly good size if they got a shot, but for the most part, they are small trees. Are ironwoods the ones with the real smooth bark? I'm trying to, th- to recall because I remember my dad in the winter could identify trees by their bark, and I can't necessarily do that, but it seems to me the ironwoods had real smooth bark. Is that, am I thinking right? I'm trying to think what would be a, uh, a smooth bark. Some, uh, a lot of the young trees have really smooth bark mm. of various species. So I, I don't know. So maybe I think of like young, young maples have really smooth bark. I just think they're such a, such a beautiful, beautiful tree. But uh, boy, ironwood, they have kind of. Uh, Oh, like elm-like. Okay. A lot of people mistake them for elm because they look something like elm. Oh. So I don't know what he'd be seeing. Uh, I don't think the ironwoods I think of are probably not that not that smooth. Well, you know, he's not around to ask. But your so dad was right anyway. <laughs> he was always right. That was his, he'd always yeah. say, that's my name, don't wear it out. <laughs> <laughs> that was he, what he said. Dad, dads are... Uh, yeah, we're right once in a while. You oh yeah, know? it's just we take credit for being right a lot more often than we really are, which is the way of the dad. I uh, thank everybody for listening. You know, our township opted for voting by mail this year, and it went well. I've been an election judge forever and a day. I'm the head election judge or election clerk or whatever you want to call me. It's, it seemed odd not being a, an election judge. There was something I missed, but I couldn't put my finger on it right away. Was it the long hours? No, I don't think that was it. Was it all the additional paperwork that was piled on me? I, I don't think so. And I thought back when I was in grade school, we rarely went on field trips. But when we did, my mother packed a lunch for me. She tossed a bologna sandwich wrapped in wax paper, an apple, maybe some red jello. I didn't care what flavor it was, just like Kool-Aid, as long as it was red, into a hand-me-down lunch pail. I had a cowboy lunch pail. It wasn't Roy Rogers' lunch pail. It wasn't a Gene Autry, the Lone Ranger, or even a Hopalong Cassidy lunch pail. It wasn't even Gabby Hayes. There was an image of a cowboy on the lid in the words cowboy part of that likeness had been scraped away during the lunch pail's battered life my mother placed some other healthy options other than the apple into the lunch pail she put carrot sticks and celery stalks and then she placed the holy grail into my lunch pail a twinkie i'm sure it was organic 
And my mother repeated the same rule each time she handed the lunch pail over to her youngest child. Promise me, you'll eat the carrots and the <laughs> celery before you eat the Twinkie. <laughs> and, of course, I promised because I wanted the Twinkie. I was afraid if I said, no, I'm not going to do that, then I would get no Twinkie. But I, re- I recall one field trip on an orange school bus because the school buses were more orange when I was a kid than they are today. And I don't remember where we went or what we did, but I remember my lunch. I devoured the sandwich involving butter from a local creamery, and Wonder Bread helps build strong bodies 12 ways. I ate the rest, including the carrots and the celery. Then there was a flag on the field. I discovered there was no Twinkie. Mother had either run out of the golden sponge cakes with a creamy filling, or she'd forgotten to put one in. That left a hole in my day. What I missed most about the normal in-person election was handing out I voted stickers. They were the Twinkie of the election, and it left a bit of a hole in my election day. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I enjoyed your company. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. Remember, Heartland as well, we're driving past. Karen, you stay well. Thank you. I always enjoy our Tuesdays. Tuesdays with Karen is always a swell deal. It is. Hey, I wanted to share a a, a text I got from our friend Rich. He says, I'd like to thank Al for explaining who was responsible for the excessive filling of or excessive tiling of wetlands. I think it's terrible. So he just wanted to say thank you. Oh, well, you're welcome. Yeah. and And I grew up in a what people would call a swamp, a slough, a marsh, uh, whatever you want to call it. And uh, I had a lot of uh, that water in my boots, so it was a great place to grow up, and there was always always a wonderful surprise somewhere out in that uh, wetland. And so, yeah, I miss them. And one so more thanks t- very much, Rich. And one more text from our friend John. He says, Karen, his work sh- uh, my work shut down for a while. Of course, he works in the theater in Noam, so obviously because of the virus. So he's at his dad's in Andover and wants to wish us all uh, a fun Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to it- you, too, and everyone else. And thanks, John, and thanks for reminding me. I didn't wish every- anybody yeah. happy Thanksgiving. And, boy, I certainly meant to. And I'm sorry about, I know a friend of mine goes to see movies pretty regularly, and he says at most there's four in the theater when he goes in, and of course now he'll be shut down there again. But he said uh, that was kind of the good part. He liked being in there without a lot of crunching popcorn and everything (laughs) around while he's trying to watch the movie. But he said, uh, you know, they can't keep going like that either. Right. But happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Man, I I hope... uh, I hope it's, uh, even though it'll be different, it'll be the Thanksgiving of your dreams. And we didn't even talk about turkey, and it's turkey week. Oh, well, that's okay. And and we're seeing a lot of turkeys. A lot of folks are mentioning turkeys. I read in the paper that one uh, family had a turkey that's joined with its flock of chickens, a wild turkey, just kind of moved into the hen house and said, uh, from now on, I am a... um, uh, crested Polish or whatever it wants to be with the other chickens. So Probably easier to, to get food that way, I would think. Yeah, and it's a it's a hen, so it should be pretty well behaved. Well, thank you, Al, and you have a great happy Thanksgiving to you and Gail as well. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Our good friend, Mr. Al Bat, always great to chat with him. 
It's uh, Tuesdays with Al or one of my favorite days as well. It is 1032 and you are listening to a minute.